I'll try this again. You may be seated. Oh, wait, you probably already are. It's the second time I've pulled that one out in three weeks. Sorry about that. Well, good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us as we continue to celebrate the Feast of the Resurrection, the 50 days of glory, as we call it, from Easter through the Ascension and to Pentecost. The time, as the Bible tells us in the book of Acts, where after his suffering and death, Jesus showed himself to his followers. He gave many convincing proofs that he was alive, the scripture says, that he had in fact risen from the dead. Last week, Father Mark rightly acknowledged how the 40 days of Lent is central to our preparation for the cross of Christ Jesus. How he gave his life there as the perfect offering to forgive us, to forgive the sins of the whole world. But even so, how much more should we celebrate these 50 days of glory? After all, the cross is nothing without the resurrection, is it? Because if it all ends in death, then we really have nothing to celebrate. But we rejoice. We rejoice because Jesus Christ has given us the victory of life over death. Indeed, we do declare that Christ has died. But even more so, we declare that Christ is risen, an ever-present, eternal, and joyful reality that Jesus Christ is alive. My friends, we serve a God who is good. And the good God that we serve has given us some good news to share. The good news is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ can change your life just as it has changed our lives and billions of lives all over the world throughout time and space. It can change your life if you will let it. It certainly changed the lives of those who saw it happen. The Apostle Paul says that Jesus appeared to over 500 people. He started a movement like nothing else in all of human history. And it changed one of Jesus' closest friends named Peter. Last week we began our sermon series, our Easter sermon series called Gospel Proclamation. In it we are examining the lives of some of the saints of old. We are studying how their lives were dramatically affected by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are studying how they proclaimed with word and deed the good news of God in Christ Jesus in their day. And we're seeing how their lives and their witness can help shape our lives and our witness as we seek to proclaim the gospel in our day. Today we're going to continue to look at Jesus' friend named Peter, a man who came from very humble and ordinary beginnings, but whose life and legacy is still shaping our world today. Think of all of the churches named after Peter. Think of all of the children named after Peter. Peter, the first bishop of Rome that the Roman Catholic Communion now calls as the Pope, the Prince of the Apostles. Last week, Father Mark introduced us to the man named Peter. Before he met Jesus, Peter was a fisherman. But one day, Jesus called Peter to be a fisher of men. Yet before Jesus was crucified, Peter was, well, a bit impetuous and inconsistent. During one heated exchange, Jesus even called Peter Satan. And when Jesus was subjected to a sham of a trial, Peter denied that he ever knew Jesus. 
three times with friends like that who needs enemies, it's often said. And after Jesus' burial, Peter went into hiding, afraid that the same thing that happened to Jesus would happen to him. Not an altogether unreasonable thing to do, given the apparent circumstances, but just three days later, three days later, later, even as we read in our gospel lesson this morning, three days later, everything began to change. And then in our reading today from the book of Acts, we find Peter preaching about Jesus, no longer denying that he knew Jesus, Peter is now telling everyone about him, bearing witness to the goodness, the grace, and the glory of God in Christ Jesus. In just a minute, I'm going to read just one sentence, just one sentence from that sermon that Peter preached. Because it is one sentence that was so provocative, it literally could have gotten Peter killed. And yet, it is one sentence that is so powerful that it literally changed the world. Now, before I read that sentence, I want to set the stage for us. So I'm going to ask you to put yourself into the story of Peter's sermon. Peter preached this sermon during the Feast of Pentecost. That meant that thousands and thousands of faithful Jews had gathered in the holy city of Jerusalem. They had come from all over the region to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. But it also meant, it also meant that the very Jewish leaders who had crucified Christ were present and in the area and maybe even on the scene. And because there were thousands of Jews packed into the city of Jerusalem, it also meant something else. It meant that the Roman soldiers were everywhere. The very men who beat, whipped, and crucified Christ were there. What were they doing? Crowd control. They were watching for possible riots that might break out as the contentiousness continued between the Jews and the Romans and now this emerging little band of Christians. But most importantly, This is what the Feast of Pentecost also meant. It meant that it was now 50 days after Jesus' resurrection. 50 days after Jesus was raised from the dead. And it also meant that it was now 10 days. 10 days after Jesus had ascended into heaven. And here's why that piece of information is very important for this sermon. That meant that as Peter was now preaching, Jesus was no longer physically there. He was no longer walking the earth. It meant that when Peter was preaching this sermon, he could no longer just point to Jesus and say, there he is, that's the guy I'm talking about. And it meant that if one of those riots did break out after Peter's sermon, Jesus was not there to calm the crowd. Peter was really, really going out on a limb. So let me ask you the question, where are you right now in this story? Maybe you're among Jesus' closest followers. Maybe you are among those 120 who were in the upper room waiting as that mighty rushing wind came in in the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe. Maybe you're just amid the crowd. You're someone who's 
on the scene and you're standing there amid the throngs and the thousands of people. You can feel the sweat as you rub shoulders with the men and women standing next to you. You can smell the stench of the crowd as you strain to listen and hear what Peter says. And then, my friends, then you could have heard a pen drop as Peter lets these last words leave his lips. Therefore, Peter said, Therefore, let the whole house of Israel know for certain, let the whole house of Israel know for certain that God made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. This Jesus whom you crucified. And now you're standing there and the silence is absolutely deafening. You know what you just heard. And as we say in Texas, them sound like fighting words. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're standing. Right now you've closed your eyes and you are begging God. Not another fight. Not another trial. Not another crucifixion. Lord, please don't let this turn into a riot. We just did this 50 days ago. Please not again. But then in the midst of your very panicked prayer, you hear a voice. And then another. And then another. And then another. It's calling across the crowd like a salve soaking into an open wound. Peter, the voices say. Peter, the voices begin to say. We can't stand it any longer. Tell us, Peter, what should we do? What should we do? And now you know. Those words that could so easily have provoked a riot, they carry in them the very power of the Holy Spirit to change lives. And Peter replies to the question, Repent, my brothers. Repent. Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be baptized and you will receive the promised gift of the Holy Spirit for you, for your children, for all who will call upon the name of the Lord and to whomever God himself would call. And you remember? My friends, do you remember what the Bible tells us? 3,000. 3,000 souls repented that day, that moment, because of those words. 3,000 souls believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and were saved from their struggle against sin and the pain and the peril of death. 3,000 souls. And my friends, it points the question directly to you and to me. Have you trusted Jesus? Have you trusted Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul? For the forgiveness of your sins and the hope of everlasting life? That he offers to each and every one of us. My friends, only Jesus Christ and Christ alone can offer us these things. Christ has died, He has died for the forgiveness of our sins. Christ is risen, He is alive to offer us the hope of everlasting life, and Christ will come again to judge the living and the dead and to reunite heaven and earth. So we no longer suffer in this broken world. 
That, my friends, is the good news that God in Christ Jesus has given us to share. But there's one more part. There's one more part to Peter's story that I have to share with us this morning. And it's actually the incredible part that makes it all credible. It goes something like this. Would you be willing to die for a lie? Would you be willing to die for a lie? Tradition tells us that Peter was crucified for the name of Jesus Christ. Peter was crucified on a cross like Jesus was, only Peter asked to be crucified upside down. Why? Because he said, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to die in the same manner that my Lord did. So let me bring that home with an example. An example that I used a couple of years ago. It's the testimony of Chuck Colson that I offered one Easter. And it has its most appropriate application here, I believe. Colson, as many of you know, served as special counsel to President Nixon. At the time of the infamous Watergate scandal that brought Nixon down, Colson was among the most powerful men in the world. And yet concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ and concerning the witness of the apostles, this is what Chuck Colson had to say. Mr. Colson says, I know the resurrection is a fact. I know the resurrection is a fact and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus Christ risen from the dead. And then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years. For 40 years, not once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. Colson says they simply would not have endured that if it were not true. Colson says Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and we could not keep alive for three days. Three days. You're telling me, Colson says, that 12 apostles could keep this lie for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. Absolutely impossible. My friends, Peter's story is incredible, isn't it? And there are so many other stories like it in the Bible. Stories that have helped billions and billions of people. People throughout time, people throughout space. Who have found faith in Jesus Christ by reading the stories of the Bible. Last week, Father Mark encouraged us to share our favorite scripture. To tell what our favorite Bible verse is and why. I want to tell you a quick story. I shared mine. I shared mine on social media. And do you know what happened? It inspired others to share their favorite Bible verses. And my friends, I was greatly encouraged. Not because of what I said and what I did, but I loved hearing how the Scriptures speak to people. How the Word of God touches us in our deepest place of need. So this week, we're going to try it again. You are free to continue to share your favorite Bible verses, but this week, we're asking you to share your favorite Bible stories. What stories speak to you from Scripture and why? 
Maybe it's the story of David and Goliath. That story we all know about how one little shepherd boy showed great faith in God and he took down the giants that were facing him in his life. Maybe it's another story about King David. Maybe it's the story of King David who found himself being unfaithful to his wife, committing adultery with Bathsheba. And yet God forgave him. And yet God still loved King David, forgave him, and still used him to the glory of his name. Perhaps it's the story of the woman at the well who had had multiple husbands and lovers, but when Jesus found her, she found in him the true lover of her soul. Friends, I could go on and on, and that's kind of the point. The Bible is God's love letter to each and every one of us. It is filled with stories of people who found faith, who found forgiveness, and who found freedom. But the real question is this. Don't you want that for yourself? Don't you want the faith and the forgiveness and the freedom that comes because of the love and the mercy and grace of God in Christ Jesus? Wouldn't we all want that for others? To help people find faith and freedom in Jesus Christ. To spread the good news of God in Christ Jesus. So there are some things we can't do, right? There are some things we can't do in this time of social isolation. But there are indeed some things that we can do. And they all start when we are willing to take a step of faith. And I'll say this. I never thought... I would be using social media in the ways that I am. All of this audio, video stuff, I just never imagined that I would be a part of that. That I would be sharing things and invitations on little videos to connect with people in this time of social isolation. But here's what I also bet. Don't you think that Peter was just a little bit nervous when he stood before those thousands of people, and opened his mouth to speak the gospel. But look at the fruit. Look at the fruit that it bore. Friends, we can't keep our eyes fixed on fear. We have to fix our eyes on the fruit. How is it that God wants to use us? So this is a golden opportunity and a divine invitation. This is a chance for us to step out of our comfort zones, to get out of the boat like Peter did, and to step into the call of the gospel proclamation. Let me say it this way. Someone you know, and maybe you yourself, may be just one story away from the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Maybe someone just needs to hear one story this hour, this day, or this week. So I want to thank you for sharing your favorite scriptures last week. And I want to thank you in advance for stepping out in faith this week and sharing your favorite Bible study with someone, in some place, on social media, in a letter, in a phone call. Take a step of faith, just like Peter did. And then, my friends, let's see how God uses it for someone's encouragement, for someone to find faith, for someone else to experience salvation. And I want to end with a promise. 
the very promise of God spoken through the prophet Isaiah himself. And this is what it says. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, declares the Lord. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that for which I purposed it, and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. We love you. We're praying for you. And we pray that you will find the encouragement in sharing your favorite story from Scripture this week. To God be the glory now and forever. Amen.